Hey guys, so, uh, we're enjoying a beautiful day outside. Um, it's the one year anniversary of the MSL podcast. Woo! So, I mean, it's the 18th episode. Um, it marks one year since we actually had this amazing, crazy idea that seems so like hard to actually accomplish. But it wasn't. It was smooth in terms of like we both were committed to, to like the podcast and, and helping it grow. And we've had so many guests, so thank you to everyone who's been on the podcast. Um, starting with Professor Musk, she was our first guest, and she's helped oh, us yeah. out the whole way with, with the networking. Whoa. And we, went, we did over the summer on Zoom, so I mean, we've come a long way. I mean, we still do do that on Zoom, but now we're it's... We're working on potential... In-person ones. Um, in-person ones with better equipment and stuff, but until then... Uh, yeah, but thank you for everybody who's watched, helped us grow and said like motivating words be like you guys are so good on your podcast which like we know it's true but, but it, yeah Ooh. at the gym people have oh, said that to gym. me a couple times your gym friends yeah my gym bros yeah but um well you know i mean for today's episode we, we want to celebrate <laughs> also like sam breen's career she's a umass legend she's a certified umass legend probably the goat from the women's basketball team and highest points for in the, in the program history. She has helped the team reach the NCAA uh, tournament in 2022, and her UMass team finished joint leaders in the A-10 division. Really impressive. Among Sam Breen's many individual accolades are the Becky Hammond Player of the Year Award for the 2023 season, and the two consecutive A-10 Player of the Year awards, which I know a little about basketball, but I can just tell that that's really a feat to accomplish it's, it's really hard to achieve and yeah. it's amazing how how she's helped the team the program grow so we actually want to make this episode a tribute to her she's going to be our one year anniversary dog. guest and yeah turbo is going to sh show up and, and play a big role in the interview too um but you know what most of the time we begin with the sports recap section but not today today we're celebrating sam green too so we want to start with her interview and then with um, you know our our recap, but um, other than that, I just want to say um, thank you. I really mean it. Um, it's been quite a ride, and uh, there's a lot of quality content on the way. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's in the works. Don't worry, it's getting there. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hey everybody, uh, we are back. Uh, today we're gonna be interviewing um, the Queen Breen. That's how she's locally known. She's um, UMass's highest scorer for the women's basketball program, and um, it's an honor today because we're we're actually celebrating our one year anniversary of the podcast, and we also love to take this opportunity and celebrate Sam Breen's career at UMass, which has brought so much success and happiness to people here at at the school. And assuming, I mean, all of our people that watch are usually kids from UMass, but just in case there's anyone from different schools who may not know who you are, uh, just give a brief overview of who you are um, and kind of your success so far and the journey that's led you to um, joining UMass in 2019. Um, yes, so I'm Sam Breen. I just finished my sixth overall collegiate season, um, started off at Penn State, transferred here, like you said, January 2019. Um, you know, lots of ups and downs throughout my basketball career. So eventually end up leading me to transfer out of Penn State. Um, Coach Birdie just, you know, convinced me to come visit here. And as soon as I got here, I kind of knew it was the place for me. Um, and you know, obviously I wouldn't trade that decision for the world. Um, whether or not the success we had over the past few years happened or not, it still would have been the best decision I made. But, you know, winning the A-10 championship two seasons ago, making it to the championship three years in a row. Um, and, you know, kind of just like cementing our team's history um, was like, you know, something surreal. I can't really put it into words, but wouldn't trade it for the world. And now hoping to play overseas, um, you know, looking forward, not sure where I'm going to play, but just hoping to continue playing. And if you asked me that like four years ago, I would not have wanted to play after college. So UMass has kind of, you know, transformed my mindset there and really helped me fall in love with basketball again. So, I mean, growing up, what was the factor that got you into basketball? Who are your, your influences that made you want to pursue this? Um, 
I feel like I have a lot, but I think the easiest would be my family. Um, I've since I was little always liked, you know, just like playing around a lot of different types of sports. Um, played a lot of sports growing up, and then once I started kind of getting serious about softball and basketball, kind of had to make that decision. Um, especially being a catcher in softball wasn't too easy on the knees. So my dad kind of, you know, it was like, if you're, if you're going to want to play basketball in college, you should like focus on one. Um, and he was definitely right. And I'm very glad that I chose basketball, obviously. So going into high school, kind of just narrowed it down to basketball. Um, and my entire family, you know, from the moment I started playing in the summer before fourth grade up until now, like my brother and sister will really do anything to come to any of my games, um, you know, from grade school all the way through my sixth year. Same with my parents. My mom and dad came to, I don't even know how many, I don't, I don't want to know how many games they came to this year. It's not an easy trip from Pennsylvania and they were at a crazy amount of games, both home and away. So I would just say all four of my like immediate family members, as well as my extended family who traveled to a lot more games that I could even have asked for, but definitely my brother, sister, and my parents, they they're crazy, but it's a good type of crazy, and I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without their support. Well, it's always cool to hear like how people started and how they ended up choosing the sport they picked. Um, in your basketball career so far, you mentioned earlier you've kind of had like some setbacks. Everyone has setbacks, but I'm just kind of curious, like what have been the biggest hurdles um, so far in your career? Maybe it was transferring, but just like to know. Yeah, without a doubt, transferring was like the hardest thing that I've done just because, you know, when you're transferring, you don't know who's who's going to still want you, um, especially in my situation. It was mid-year. It was mid-season, um, four games into my sophomore season. Um, didn't really play much as a freshman. So, like, it was a big risk. Um, and I was, you know, two seconds away from giving up basketball and just being a student. So kind of just like taking a step back and realizing that I could love basketball as much as I did like a year and a half prior, if I just found the right place. Um, and it lots of, um, you know, meditation talks with my therapist, um, all that stuff, you know, to really get the mental health side piece of it down. Um, cause I was definitely struggling mentally for a while. Um, and kind of, that helping push me to the decision I made, just knowing that it probably wasn't necessarily basketball that I wasn't enjoying, but more just the setting, I guess. Um, so putting my name in the portal, obviously beyond stress. At that point, I had to ask for permission. I couldn't just put my name in the portal. So asking permission to go on the portal, getting it, putting my name in before I could like switch my decision. So put my name right in. Um, super nervous. And luckily, I did have coaches reaching out. And like I said, wasn't really going to come out here. I wanted to stay closer to home within like three, four hours max. Um, and now I'm like 10. Um, so Coach Birdie definitely convinced me to come take the visit. My dad and I came up and within like the first few minutes of being on campus, I kind of knew I was going to be out here. Um, and then if you knew me five years ago, it's like I did a complete 180. Like I was not the most positive. I was pretty miserable. Definitely didn't enjoy basketball. Um and then just like growing as a person and a player here to like see the positive side of everything um, and just kind of have a different outlook on every situation has probably been one of the biggest blessings that I've gotten out of here. That's awesome to hear, especially, I mean, we come from different sports, but I compete for climbing, very different sports actually. But I feel like a lot of students could relate to you like, oh, it's so hard to balance between being a student and being an athlete and it's like, can you combine them? And a lot of kids like give in to just, oh, like, let me just be a student. So it's nice mm -hmm. to kind of hear, like, especially someone like you has had like, you know, maybe much bigger setbacks than other people, like that they can still enjoy the sport, the very roots of it and not focus on, you know, it's just, it's a hard balance, but I'm glad that. Yeah, no, for, sure, for sure. But yeah, I, and I, UMass, I, I, go ahead. Sorry, I think my wife uh, you, you, you can go. <laughs> No, I was just going to say UMass made it a lot easier to balance and like not dreading practice every day like I once was and like actually looking forward to it every single day. Um, like that mindset shift in itself completely transformed me and my outlook. I really love hearing about that just because I feel I, I relate to that in the part of like coming to, to UMass from very far away. I live in Florida. My family's there. And um it was a huge change, but it's kind of like the growth zone because UMass is not a 
place that I've ever felt like at risk. So I felt I was safe. And it was a, a, a growth zone in which there's so much unknown. There's so many things that I can grow uh, towards. And then, you know, you, you have to get outside that comfort zone and, and leave home sometimes to actually grow as a person beyond what you could imagine at that point. But talking about the mental health aspects, how do you prepare yourself mentally and physically before a, a big game? Um, <laughs> It's kind of funny. I feel like my pregame rituals are not really common. Um, So to preface, I don't eat gluten or dairy. So I always make my own pregame meals, you know, just to stay on the safer side with a sensitive stomach. So, you know, we'll do shoot around, film, all that go to champs for that or go to Mullins for that. Um, I'll always come back, make myself a big bowl of oatmeal, um, take turbo for a walk. And then I braid my own hair and I have double braids for like every game, as you guys probably noticed any game you watched, I had double braids. So eat the oatmeal, take turbo for a walk, go up, braid my hair. And then I head back um, to champs mullins champs is our practice facility so um head back there and i live off campus um over in sunderland so 10 minute ish drive um spend about an hour here eating just chilling for a little bit and then head back but not the most common pregame ritual i'd say but it worked for me um so i did that every single home game every single one and then on the road a little bit different we do walk through film anything we had to do and then come back and right after film i would um, just go up and braid my hair. Well, I mean, different things work for different people, but it takes like, I feel like competing on your level, like, are you ever superstitious with your routine? Do you have to like, do you, oh, I have to do this. Like at a certain time, do I have to like, will that make me feel best? Or how do you feel? Um, Not necessarily like timing or anything. Um, I know the double braids definitely probably became a little bit, of a superstition for me just because my first semester here I switched up how I did my hair a little bit I always had some type of braid in but there were a few games that I did not play very well and I had a different hairstyle in so after that definitely stuck with the two braids so that's a little bit superstitious I guess I also just think it works best for me because I I don't, I don't feel like I don't have a ponytail type of look so definitely the double braids um other than that like oatmeal I would say superstition just because I know I know what I'm getting when I make my oatmeal um but like if I can't have that on the road and stuff I'd figure it out I mean I, I never get to that level of, of like preparing for a big game but before I go out for a run and I try to like get myself pumped I listen to the Champions League anthem <laughs> and and like in European soccer and then I'm like yeah I'm ready to to actually do like better than last run but that's that's how I, I love that to, uh, um, but, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Uh, but you know, even you know, the best teams lose, and uh, the the worst teams win sometimes. But UMass has been a consistently amazing team in your tenure here at UMass. And um, the question is, how do you come back from a defeat? Because that can relate to many aspects of life. How do you come back from a defeat in in the basketball sense? Yeah, I know. For me, um, obviously, I don't like to lose. I'm definitely pretty competitive so I definitely don't enjoy losing but I also have the mindset of like once it's done you can't really change it if you played hard and you gave it all you could if it just wasn't your night um you know then it is what it is kind of thing so you know watch film get back in the gym get more shots up um but kind of just for me I always look forward to the next game um like a loss isn't always the easiest pill to swallow also depending like on the game the opponent like sometimes it stings a little bit more but like once that final buzzer hits and you know you lost, there's nothing you can do to change it. Um, and I like and most of my teammates, like we all leave it out there every night. So just knowing that we couldn't have tried harder, like obviously we could have been smarter. We could have made better plays, you know, not turned it over here, hit this shot. But if the shot's not going in and we're playing hard, then that's all we can really ask for of each other. Um, and I think we did a pretty good job of that on a consistent basis. So with that, then just knowing to like look forward and kind of regroup, get extra shots up, um, go over the little things that we need, we need to correct. But for the most part, we really would just look on to the next of dwelling on that. Yeah, defeat is definitely, you know, one of the hardest things to deal with. But um, what you were saying, do you think like 
during a game, do you have like little defeats that you have the same mindset towards? Like, okay, like, you know, next half of the game, I'll, I'll try and work on those. Or is it kind of just like you're in tunnel vision and then after the game's over, it's a big wave of like, okay, we tried our best. Um, I think it depends. Um, like for me personally, like if I'm not say doing well, like offensively, like if the ball's not going in the hoop, I'm going to do everything in my power to like control the other things like rebounding, getting deflections on defense, like all the little things that you can control, at least like, even if I'm not getting the rebound, like at least crashing and going for it. Um, so I'm going to make sure that I'm controlling all of the controllables um, throughout the duration of the game. And then say if it is my shot or if it's in the post, um, usually at halftime or on the bench during a timeout, typically I'd ask coach Leffler or whatever, whatever I could do to like fix it. And he, you know, his mindset usually is just like keep shooting them. They're good shots just because they're not going in. doesn't make it a bad shot. And he's definitely kept me level headed throughout my duration here. Like before I got here, I probably would have been more frustrated with missing some shots, turning it over or whatever, but just knowing that they have a lot of trust and confidence in me has definitely helped, helped keep me level headed. Even if I'm really not playing my best, um, I know I'm still affecting the game in other ways. But you know something I really enjoyed about watching this this team, your team, UMass women's uh, basketball team, is the mentality that you you'll have. It's something remarkable, and how well you manage the sportsmanship side, in which I I noticed that none of you are, are sore losers. All of you are, are are really good winners. And when you lose, you take the defeat the best way possible. Because from personal experience, I know that when when I was little, I was like completely the opposite. I lost at anything, and it was like, you know what? It's personal. Um, I lost a couple of friends over tennis games, but now we like I kind of improved that. But how do you feel? Um, the team as a unit is able to cope with with a lot of the setbacks. Who are some of the the key people in in keeping the the locker room uh, really uh, vivid and and positive? Um, within the team, I would say um, definitely like we have four captains this past year. And I feel like the four of us did a pretty good job, even if we didn't see eye to eye with each other. Um, we would definitely try to keep the locker room like as level headed as we can. I mean, obviously, like a loss stinks and some people definitely take it harder than others and dwell on it a little bit more than others, which is fine. It's how, you know, different people cope. Um, but like. I'm probably. Sometimes like. I don't want to say like delusionally positive, but I'm always going to look at the positive side, like regardless, even if there's like really not a positive side to be seen, I feel like I'm going to always try to spin it in a positive way. Um, and I think that sometimes don't get me wrong is probably super annoying. Probably not what people want to hear. Like I'm not going to look at the bright side of this. Um, but I definitely try to maintain that because it's definitely something that's like helped me. So, um, and then Destiny and I being captains, this past year with Sydney and Fatty and then the year before, just the two of us, um, I think us communicating and talking, we've really shared like a similar mindset and we've been able to like kind of spread that and like keep the peace as much as we can. Like I said, other people like deal with it differently, but I feel like once we're all in a team setting in the locker room, we try to keep it as positive as we can. And usually like we do a fine job of it. Well, I mean, it's great to hear. I mean, the the cohesion you have between your team is really like what makes a successful game. And it's it's more, I mean, of course it's about basketball, but like when you look deeper, it's more about just the connections you have and that can make or break things. But um, going back to you, um, I'm just looking at this because I don't want to misspell it, but this past season, I understand you broke the Sue Peters record to become the highest scorer in UMass history and just wondering how you felt about that I mean it's an amazing achievement and it's just after all this time like what are your thoughts um I mean that was like super awesome it's kind of something that I wasn't too too aware of um like obviously people had told me like it could happen and all that kind of stuff but it's not something I focused on at all and I actually have gotten to know Sue Peters pretty well we stay in contact. Um, we've been like emailing and talking back and forth for the past few seasons now. Um, and it's never something we even really brought up. Um, 
And she was in attendance at the last home game, I believe, um, the home game where I broke it. So that was like really awesome. And to hear her congratulating me was super, super fun. My parents were there. Um, like I said, they go to an unnecessary amount of games. So my parents were there. Um, really most of the people that I care about were there. So it was just awesome to share that experience knowing they were in the audience. And um, we also like that same game, we clinched co-season champs. Um, and that's the first time in UMass that, you know, we've won like a regular season championship. So just like all that happening on one day, big win, um, probably the biggest crowd we've had. Um, all of that just like made the moment like unforgettable. And I mean, it must feel great from your side to actually contribute to creating these big crowds in terms of you being part of this team that's drawing so much attention from everybody at UMass a huge talking point for everybody. I mean, we're sport management majors and we're, we're listening and talking about this all the time, how it's completely changed the precedent for the women's basketball team. So how do you, do you notice a huge difference between the moment you got here and now? So the state of, of like fans following the team? Yeah, for sure. I think um, UMass fans in general, like seem to be pretty loyal, um, even if they're not always like physically at the games. So I think I felt you know, the fans since I got here, but the amount of people that physically have shown up, especially this past season, I've definitely felt a difference. Obviously the Mullen Center is huge. It's never going to be, you know, completely filled, which is one of the negative sides of having such a nice arena and big arena. Um, it's like rarely going to feel full. Um, but like some of the last games like have felt just like unbelievable. The lower side was like pretty, pretty packed. Um, and we definitely feed off the fans energy. Um, and I think a lot of support that we had coming from, you know, social media and that kind of stuff, a lot of those people ended up making the trip to a lot more games down the stretch. So not only do we feel it, you know, on social media and stuff like that, but we were able to feel it in person, um, meet some of them in person, talk to them in person, which was like just super fun and awesome to like meet the people who've been supporting us. And, you know, another thing that, that you actually accomplished yourself and we're, we want to congratulate you. Or it and, and want to listen to your opinion about it. But you earned your second consecutive 810 Player of the Year award, and then you earned the Becky Hammond Player of the Year award. Um, what was your reaction when, when you heard about this? Or you um, did you imagine that you would be getting this at the beginning of the season? Um, absolutely not. I mean, to go back to last year when I won 810 Player of the Year the first time, um, Coach Birdie called me. Um, it made it seem like it wasn't going to be as positive a phone call. So he liked to make me like to make me a little bit nervous at the beginning. Told me he was like, right, you should be sitting down, whatever. And I was like, oh, gosh, what is he about to tell me? So when he told me last year, um, I was super excited. Um, I was actually turbo was probably on my lap just like this. So I was super excited. And obviously we find out like a little bit before it's posted. So I was really pumped. It's not something I came into UMass like anticipating at all. Um, I just kind of came in wanting to enjoy basketball again. So that was, you know, a big blessing. Definitely not something I even had on my radar. Um, was not directly working towards. And then for it to happen again this year, I remember he texted me super early the one morning that he found out, probably like 6.30 a.m. And I don't even know why I was up. But then he just sent me some emojis. And obviously, like, I can't – I didn't know what he was referring to. And I was like, I can't fall back asleep. Like, what is he talking about? So I responded and he ended up telling me again, like super early in the morning. So that was like awesome because it's, I don't, I don't know why I just didn't think I was get, like, I feel like back to back is crazy. So I just didn't think it was going to happen. Um, so when he texted me that, I was obviously super excited. I told my family, it was like, you cannot tell anyone it's not out yet. Um, sometimes they like to block that part out when I tell them something. So I had to make sure they didn't post it anywhere. Um, and then the Becky Hammond award was awesome because even though the season had ended, they brought us back to our practice facility, our film room. Um, and we just, I just thought we kind of all just thought it was going to be like film from the season. And then it like stopped midway through it started showing some like highlights of me. And then it ended with the graphic. So we all kind of had to sit there and like read the graphic. Um, and that's how I, I found out with my, my team. Um, so I like read it. I was like, Oh, wow. And I like, if, I looked like a mess in the video. Like my hair was like a mess, but I was like, Oh, wow. Um, so it was really awesome to like be with my team and coaches because they're such a big reason of why I've, you know, gotten any of the individual awards, but definitely, definitely that one. They've been such a big reason of why I was able to do that. 
Um, so being able to find out and celebrate with them on the same day was like just so fun. And just cause they all mean so much to me, like, don't get me wrong. I would have appreciated like all their texts and all that, but like getting to do it like in person with them was awesome. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Especially since, I don't know, it's more of a digital world. It's cool to have those, you know, wholesome moments. Um, mm -hmm. But we're talking a lot about basketball and all your amazing achievements, but it's not all that makes a person. And so I'm just curious on your personal side, like if you have any other aspirations, I mean, I know it's like still so early in everyone's career, but if you just have any like other passions that you want to share or like aspirations that you want to pursue after college. Um. Yeah, I, as long as I've been in college, I still am not 100% sure what I want to do when I'm done playing. I do know I want to play overseas for as long as I can. Um, so that's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, I do anticipate bringing Turbo, this little guy right here. So looking forward to that. Um, and I really just enjoy travel. So I think it's like a win-win, like travel and play the game I love. So that's been something I'm really looking forward to. Um, and, you know, once that's over, uh, I think coming back, I definitely want to stay involved in basketball in some capacity. Uh, I'm not too sure what that is yet. Um, I guess we'll see. I really hope that's like a far way down the road. Really hoping. Um, but on top of that, just like other like hobbies and stuff that I have now, I really don't live too exciting of a life, I'd say. I, I like to lift. I like to go shoot and play basketball. And I like to watch Netflix. And then I like to do stuff with Turbo. That's really it. Um, that's kind of what I do every day. Um, and it might sound boring, but like, it's what I love. Wouldn't want it any other way, like more chill, chill vibes. So that's kind of what I've been doing, especially now that like the season's over and most of the workouts are on my own terms. So. Yeah. And I mean, over, over the course of your, your, your college career, you had this amazing opportunity to, to live in a time that's going to be like remembered in history as a moment where the NIL leg legislation took place and when the whole college basketball environment changed completely. So how do you think that has affected you and, and other players? And how has the transfer portal changed things? Um, yeah, NIL has definitely been cool to be a part of. Um, you know, when I first got to college, like, you couldn't even, like, accept a dinner from a fan because of your athletic status. Like, you really couldn't do any of that. Now you can be paid, like, hundreds thousands however much for like an instagram post a tiktok post like really anything um so watching that has been super cool i know with like women's basketball like salary is a big thing that is talked about um so it's awesome to see like some of the bigger time players like really benefiting off of it um both monetarily and you know with different shoes different clothes like all that kind of stuff um so i think it's been awesome i feel like they're still trying to like work out some kinks with it obviously with as many positives that comes with NIL, there are some, you know, stuff that people are a little hesitant about. I know a lot of people use it kind of to wager like the transfer thing. I've seen a lot of that on Twitter lately. So I think as they figure that out and get that squared away, um, it'll basically be only positives. And the transfer portal, man, I, <laughs> the transfer portal is crazy now, especially like when I transferred, I had to, like I said, I had to ask for permission, um, had to ask, she had to sign off. Like I had to go through like kind of a process. Um, and most of the time coaches aren't going to say no only because if you don't want to be a part of the program, they're not going to say no, but technically they could have when I was leaving. And now you can kind of just put your name in the portal on your own discretion. You don't really need to ask, like, obviously players are going to tell their coaches most of the times they're going to tell them before they put their name in the portal. But I don't think you realistically have to. Um, and just seeing how many transfers there are, like, like at the end of every year like I know that's one thing I've been following on Twitter just the amount of people entering the transfer portal some people who you would expect some people who you absolutely wouldn't so I just think it's crazy and it you know makes competition a little bit higher like you never know who you're going to com be competing with in terms of like a roster spot um and with the COVID years and stuff like that I know that probably made it difficult for people to get into programs because Like me, for example, I was not supposed to have six years. I was supposed to have four and then I got my own waiver in the COVID one. So I ended up having five and six, but without the COVID waiver, I would have been done last season. So that's taking an extra roster spot for an extra year. So just like all that kind of stuff. It's just like really crazy to like sit back and look at how different both NIL, the transfer portal and COVID kind of all changed the dynamic of college basketball. Um, and that's definitely been 
I wouldn't say like fun to be a part of, but it was definitely interesting to like watch unfold. Yes, because I remember we talked with Coach Frank Martin from the men's team, and he was talking about the transfer portal, and he he was telling us it's made my job so much more difficult now that I have less control over the team. So there are benefits. It gives athletes more freedom to to go where they want to go to pursue their personal benefit, but it creates difficulties when building a team because when you count when you think you're counting on a player for the next three or or, or four years, you find mm -hmm. out it's only like one or two seasons. Mm -hmm. exactly which is like crazy to me and then you know people are transferring they're on their second and third I've seen people in their fourth school which I don't know the logistics and how they don't have to sit the more multiple times they transfer but it's I forgot about that like the fact that you don't have to sit the first time you transfer too obviously makes it more inclined for people to transfer because that kind of made people not want to transfer because no one wanted to sit out a year um So that shift too has made it a lot more likely for people who are like thinking about it for them to actually go ahead and transfer. Because if you don't have to sit a year, then, you know, why not? Yeah. And speaking of like all these fluctuations and teammates and coaches, um, there's really no like guarantee of, like any given year what's going to happen. Uh, speaking of Coach Verdi recently announced he's leaving UMass. We we're just wondering what are your thoughts on that and uh, how that's impacted you in your career? I mean, I'm obviously, I'm really happy for him. I feel like every head coach, their ultimate goal is to coach at a Power Five school. Um, so I'm super happy, super happy for him. I think he absolutely deserves it. I obviously enjoy playing for him the past few years. Um, and I am from the Pittsburgh area. So him being at Pitt is awesome. So that means I'm still going to be able to like see him. Like when I go home in the summer and stuff, I'll be able to see him. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Um, it has been like just weird. I, I guess I'd say just because I'm done too. So I don't know how, like, it's hard to picture like how I'd feel if he was leaving while I was still playing. Um, but having him as my head coach for the past four and a half years has been like absolutely incredible. Um, obviously you're going to have ups and downs, but the relationship that I have with him is definitely not something I would trade for anything. So super happy for him, proud of him. I'm excited to see what he does with Pitt, hoping that he turns hit around like he turned new mess around um i'm excited that i'll be able to go to some of his games because it's 25 minutes down the road for me so very excited about that and you know i would want i, I want to know from your perspective what is coach verdi's uh, leadership style and, and his uh, management style um <laughs> he's obviously very animated um <laughs> Very, I mean, he gets, I mean, he's very passionate, um, which is like, is, is a good thing. I know from like the outside looking in, he can seem like he gets very angry and his eyebrows, you know, cave and he looks really angry on the sideline, but he's as much as he may not look at, he really is a giant teddy bear. Like he really cares about you as a player, you as a person, your success as a player, your success as a person. And I know like for me personally, like I could go in his office absolutely anytime and like talk to him really about anything. I've asked him for advice on a lot of different topics outside of basketball. Um, and like, I think once you layer or once you lay a foundation of like trust with your head coach, I think, you know, that only sets you up for success and being able to establish that with him definitely helped like me individually be more successful than I thought was possible as well as the team. Um, I think most people on our team had a pretty good relationship with him here. So I think that's definitely helped us and our success. Um, And he's been about that since I got here. He's been very relationship oriented. And same thing with Coach Leffler, Coach Lynn, Coach C. Just all the coaches are very relationship oriented, which may seem like it should be, you know, a common thing. But not all coaches are like that. Some coaches really may never ask you a question about your personal life. Um, and we have four out of the four coaches here who check in as frequent as they can. So that not only helps us as a team, but also helps us mentally just knowing that like they care as much as they do. So, I mean, now, now that your career at UMass has concluded, what do you think this next chapter of your life is going to look like? If, if, I mean, life is always unpredictable, but what do you mm -hmm. imagine this will look like? Um, I don't know where or anything yet, but definitely like come the end of the summer playing overseas somewhere. Um, taking Turbo on a nice little foreign tour wherever we end up. 
Um, wouldn't be surprised if my family made some trips over there to catch a game or two um, or a few. Um, go home and chill in the sum- chill for the summer until then. I'm trying to take it day by day because I really don't know when, where, any of that, like when any of that happens. So figuring that now with my agent. Um, so definitely taking that day by day. And then, you know, after overseas ends, coming back, definitely visiting UMass, um, staying in touch with my teammates and everything like that. Um, and then just going back to Pittsburgh, chilling at home between overseas seasons. I really don't live the most eventful life. So the time I'm back here, I'll probably be chilling most of the time with my family back in Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, definitely super excited for whatever awaits, um, whatever country it is. Um, you know, not going to take any of it for granted and just like enjoy being present in the moment. Oh, that's awesome to hear. I'm glad you can have a summer of a mm-hmm. time. And by the way, I have a dog too. The app All Trails, I use all the time to find like walking trails for my dog. And I'll, I think I've never even heard about. It. So if you want to get that, you know. Oh, I definitely am going to do that. I just took him on um, on a hike on Mount Sugarloaf yesterday. Oh my gosh. One of the one of the only ones we know, so I'll have to do that to switch it up because he is getting bored. No, it's awesome. I just found it and I was like, oh, oh no, thank you. I will. I will be downloading that. <laughs> um, but I guess we're on to our last question. Yeah. Basically, we ask this with every guest, but it's just, what is a question you wish we could have, we would have asked you, and how would you have answered that question? It's a hard one. But... Mm-hmm. That is a hard one. Hmm. I feel like I don't even know like a specific question. Um but probably something along the lines of like stuff that helps with like stress I guess like ways of coping with stress because it it looks different for everyone um so I guess yeah like what do you and your teammates use to help cope with stress um and I mean our team is filled with a lot of different personalities so it's different for a lot of people but I would answer that with like me like he he is an emotional support animal I mean he's making that very obvious at the moment he's never this cuddly during the day but not mad about it. Um, and then, you know, I know some of my other teammates um, are are a little bit more social. So they'll, you know, go to the movies, go out to eat um, if they're feeling stressed. I know some of my teammates like journal. Um, I've tried to get into journaling um, a lot. Or I'd say a few of us are really heavy on prayer. Um, so it kind of looks different for everyone. Um, and I'd, I'd actually be interested to see, like, if I asked my teammates that, like, what all their answers would be for, like, their go-to de-stressor, because I know, like, a few things, but I don't know what everyone uses as, like, their main de-stressor. So um, I feel like that would be a good question, just in general. And I definitely think I'm curious enough to ask my team now. Um, I mean, Amalia, what's your de-stressor? Oh, well... <laughs> I almost have too many like weird things that I do. But... They're probably not weird. <laughs> no, well, I do climb, so it's kind of weird because my sport is climbing, but my de stressor is also climbing, but climbing outside. That's mm-hmm. kind of where the competitive aspect. I guess would you say that like you like shoe hoops just for fun to de stress, mm-hmm. or is it like oh you don't want to do basketball all day? Like yeah, no, totally. I definitely will go shoot to clear my mind. Like... Yeah, so that's not that's fine. Then. What's your de stressor? No, it's it's the gym. I go to the gym and I and I don't feel stressed at all. I kind of leave it outside the gym, and when I come back from the gym, I'm too sore to actually be stressed. I feel. I so. love that. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been amazing having you here, Sam. It's it's been a pleasure and, and truly an honor because we really wanted to celebrate your career. Thank you for Thank you. your every, for everything you've done for UMass, and it's been so enjoyable watching your career here. And we can't wait to see what you do in the future. We're really looking forward to that. Thank you. And I really do appreciate you guys having me again. It's definitely an honor for the one-year anniversary. And congrats on hitting one year. That's awesome. Thank you. One one last question. How do you, um, how, what is the best way to follow you on social media and and to follow Turbo uh, for the fans, Hmm. listeners? Um, Instagram, mine's sam.b32. 
42. And his Instagram is it's.turbo.time with two E's. He has more followers than me. So follow him first. Yeah, both of, both of your celebrities, but it's it's going to be so fun seeing where you go. Both of you, since, I mean, Turbo's going to go on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> you'll see lots of pictures, probably too many, but you'll see them. <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait. Thank you. Good day. See you. Speaking of basketball, which I've never really tried um, because of due to my height, I have two and a half. Um, I don't believe the half. Ask my doctor. Okay, never mind. Um, next episode, I'll bring my birth certificate. Wait, no, not birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> what do I mean by that? Like my diagnosis of my height, I'll bring that next. Next. Diagnose, some condition you want to disclose? <laughs> mm, not physical, but maybe mental. Anyway, um, <laughs> speaking of basketball. Uh, the draft pick for WNBA includes Aliyah Boston or Aliyah Boston. Not sure which pronunciation, but she was picked by the Indiana Fever. She's from South Carolina. Next is Diamond Miller from Maryland, who is picked by the Minnesota Lynx. And Maddie Seagrass from Villanova, who is picked by the Dallas Wings. Should we keep going? Yep. Oh, okay. So we're, we're going through the, 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 the top the top uh, like first round picks. So We're going through all of them. Okay. We're going through the first, you know, the 12 round, first round picks. Because they're normally the ones that are mostly decided by the teams. Oh, okay. Usually I just do top three, but let's continue. Because everyone else matters, too. Stephanie Soares from Iowa State, who was traded to Dallas Wings for a future first and second round pick, was chosen by the Washington Mystics. And then Lou Lopez Senechal from Connecticut, picked by the Dallas Wings. Haley Jones from Stanford, from uh, picked by the Atlanta Dream. Grace Berger from Indiana, picked by Indiana Fever as well. So we got some some little mergers happening here. Uh, Leticia, Leticia Amahire, or Leticia Amahire. I feel really bad because I have a hard to pronounce name as well, and I, I should know these. But from South Carolina, picked by Atlanta Dream 2. Jordan Horson from Tennessee, picked by Seattle Storm. Zia Cook from South Carolina, picked by Los Angeles Sparks. Abby Myers from Maryland was picked by Dallas Wings. Wow, a lot of Dallas Wings. So apparently, they're, I guess they're pretty good. And then Maya Hirsch from France, picked by the Minnesota Lynx. That's that's a trade-off. Going from France to Minnesota, I hope she, oh, her emotional support is going well. That was the first round. And um, now we're going to go into tennis. Um, in tennis, the Masters of Monte Carlo, so the Open, um, it's it does it hasn't had any big upsets yet. So we're going into the round of 16, which starts on Thursday. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday, um, April 12th. Good but, job. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. Um, but uh, Medvedev versus Verev is, is going to be a good match for the round of 16. Then Rublev versus Kachagnov. Uh, both of them are Russians, but they cannot play under the Russian flag because of the whole Ukraine thing. Yeah. Um, Djokovic versus Musetti. Um, those are top players, and Djokovic is the number one right now. Um, Urkash versus Sinner. Um, I'm going for Sinner, they're Italian. But, um, I'm voting for Urkash. <laughs> you go for the Polish Just because guy? Marco didn't want him to win. Yeah, yeah. I take it personal. Um, Please do. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing about it is Car uh, Alcaraz uh, from Spain. He's not going to be able to play due to injury. So that's a big loss for everybody who enjoys watching. What injury? So he got an injury um, in the back, and it's some sort of arthritis in in, in the arm. Oh, like tendonitis? No arthritis. It's, oh. it's it's not tendonitis, but it's it's. I mind. It's gonna leave him out for a while. He's got to rest, but he's gonna recover hopefully really soon because he's right. the most enjoyable player to watch at the moment. He's so young and like complete underdog. Yeah, he's probably one of the best already. Mm -hmm. Um. Going soccer, we're going to cover La Liga. All right. I know so much about this. Barca missed the chance Barca. to go... Barca. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Barca missed the chance to go to 15 points clear. As they draw, 0-0 zero zero versus Girona. 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 Then Villarreal. Uh, there was a comeback against Real Madrid to win 2-1 to one at the Santiago Bernabeu. 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 Atletico Madrid beat Rayo Vallecano 2-1. So, yeah, looks like Real Madrid is 
is second place, and then Atletico Madrid is third. Apparently sad. Um, well, no. What's sad is the gap between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Barcelona is oh. winning the league for sure. It's, um, it's really, really already decided. It's a thirteen-point gap. Mm. Um, most of the season has gone by, and Real Madrid is focusing on the Champions League, and um, Barca's only got to play for La Liga, so it's it's really a. An, you know, a boring league at the moment in terms of wow. who's winning. Um, on the other Hot hand, take. you know what really happened and was actually controversial in terms of what's going to happen now. Uh, Fede Valverde, player from Real Madrid, he alleges that uh, Baena from Villarreal said like certain words about um, his wife's. Um, so his wife is pregnant. Fede Valverde's <laughs> wife is pregnant, and he, according to like he alleges that Baena told him that he wishes. For him to have a miscarriage or something along those lines. Oh, I saw that. On so, TikTok. so then Fede Valverde punched him in in the parking lot after the game. So instead of pursuing sporting um, repercussions and going to this, um, you know, looking for compensation and damages from the sport um, side, from La Liga to operate, he's gone for criminal charges against Fede Valverde. So let's wow. see how it develops. But it's that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a huge headline when worlds collide yeah haven't we learned about all this like violence and support we have in class we have um wow. but other than that the premier league arsenal dropped points they dropped a 2-0 lead versus liverpool and now man city is six points behind but with the game in hand um which could basically mean that the title race is on arsenal is playing manchester city at the end of this month so if city win their game in hand and beat arsenal they're going to be tied for first place, and it could turn out into an amazing title race to end the year for the Premier League. Mm. Um, on the other hand, um, Bundesliga, Bayern Munich won their game, and so did Dortmund. So Bayern still has a one-point lead over Dortmund. And the Bundesliga, well, a two-point lead, and it's looking good in the Bundesliga in terms of the competition. There's competition for the Champions League places, so we're... We're really happy with that. Well, I don't know if Amalia is because she, I don't know if she really cares about the I'm Bundesliga. I'm so happy. Yeah. Um, then in, in the Serie A, Napoli is going to win the league. It's quite obvious. And even more now that Milan and Inter dropped points this weekend. Um, it's looking like a, a Napoli Scudetto, which is good news because Napoli hasn't won it since the days of Diego Armando Maradona. Um, no, I bless you. And then in terms of Ligue 1, I mean, it's, it's getting tighter at the top. There might be an upset for PSG as they they haven't been as consistent. They won their game this weekend, but still the, the lead they have isn't as big as it used to be. Um, so now we're going to the Champions League. Um, I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. In big trouble. And I don't want to be in big trouble. And I'm talking emotional trouble. Bayern Munich lost against Manchester City 3-0 yesterday. I was afraid before sad the game. Sad day for Marco. You're supposed to be sad for me. take off his You're jersey. To be... No, I didn't take it. Actually, I wore it the, for the whole day. And... The only thing he wears. What? You know what? That just shows people I'm loyal. Because Byron lost 3-0. I got bullied th throughout the whole day. Being like, I feel sorry for your team. Oh, the loss was so bad. The whole day. But I still wore my, my Bayern Munich shirt the whole day. I didn't take it off. I didn't put it, it like a sweater over it. I wore it because I'm a Bayern fan. But yeah. Oh, you're we... also loyal to the Patterson laundry machine why because you wear the same shirt so much no i just have a bunch of Bayern shirts oh my God. And, but you you don't distinguish them by year see they, it's like one of them is the 2021 2020 2021 season kit i, see. I got the most recent one i got like a doa shirt okay okay the point is um byron was outclassed in terms of tactics by pep guardiola in manchester city um it was a tight game with the first half only a wonder goal by Rodri was, was the difference until um, Upamecano made a mistake for Bayern in the 70th minute. And after that, it went downhill. Bayern conceded another goal, quick succession by Erling Haaland. And Haaland now has the best uh, goals per game ratio in the Champions League history. Right now, it's at over one goal, and he's the only player to have it at over one goal per game. Uh, what a player. He's broken the Premier League record for most goals in a season in all competitions already. And the season isn't even over, and he's young he's 22 so the sky's the limit for them um then man city is probably favorites to win the champions league then on the other hand inter milan 
despite their terrible form at home in Serie A and in, in the league, they beat Benfica, who've only lost one game in the league. Um, and now it's it's looking like Inter is going to make it to the semifinals if Benfica is not able to overturn the 2-0 uh, deficit. So now um, I'm going to add a little bit more later on when I'm editing because the Real Madrid versus Chelsea game is going on right now. So I'm going to report on that. Yeah, this is editor Marco. I'm recording this after we recorded everything else of the podcast. Um, just to report, Real Madrid beat Chelsea 2-0. Ben Chilwell got a red card for a last man tackle. Well, not tackle. He grabbed a player and he pulled him down. Um, so 10 men Chelsea lose 2-0 against Real Madrid. Second leg is going to be in Stamford Bridge. Maybe they'll turn it around. I doubt it. Uh, Real Madrid is a much better team. Uh, then on the other one, um, Milan beat Napoli 1-0. Napoli finished the game with 10 men as Samuel Giza got a red card for two yellows. But, uh, you know, hope Napoli wins. That's from my biased perspective. Uh, other than that, um, yeah, let's look forward to the next week of Champions League football. But other than that, um, thanks guys for everything. Yep, shout out to Sam Brain, shout out to my arm. My lifting, shout out to my lifting routine for helping my arms stay up this long. Um, and shout out to the beautiful day. Everyone go outside. Yep. And don't stay in the hub all day. Come out. It's a great day. Um, <laughs> so I want to say thanks, Marco, for founding the podcast and asking me to be a part of it. It was only a year ago today that we were in Frank um, discussing this idea. We weren't sure if it would work. And it did. So thank you, Marco. It's been very fun. So, yeah. And actually, shout out to Amalia for like helping me with all, all this podcast process and like being a co-founder of this podcast because it's no because we like it's been my help what do you mean your help it's, it's a 50 50 process it's like it's a 50 50 effort thing um mm-hmm.